0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Surround yourself with good ideas and feed your mind with good information from books and the people you're surrounding yourself with, and also to make sure that environment fits into your long-range vision.
0: Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Scott Price. How you doing, Scott? Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. Scott is part of a husband-wife team leading Bonvolo Real Estate Investments. He recently became a full-time real estate investor after investing for 14 years while working full-time jobs. He self-funded a portfolio of multifamily, single-family, office, retail, medical, and land. And he's a buy and hold for cash flow investor, he and his wife, they are based just north of Seattle, Washington. And with that being said, Scott, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: Sure thing. So we've believed a long time in the power of real estate for income over our, our long range plans. So what we did was a long time ago, we created a vision board and a plan for what we wanted to do. And real estate was a big part of that. So We started accumulating properties on our own. I actually became a full-time real estate broker for three years. And uh, then I went back into team and program management positions at some companies. But I I did that just to immerse myself in, in real estate. And we've been gradually expanding. We've been opportunistic. And what I mean by that is, as you can see, we're fairly well diversified in our asset classes. And it's not so much a diversification strategy as it is a looking for good deals strategy. So when we find something, we know enough about each of those asset classes that we jump in. And most of our properties are in Washington state right now. We have dabbled out of state, but most of them are in state for us. And we own them all ourselves. Our next steps, now that I'm full time and semi retired, so to speak, is to grow the business more and actually get into syndications, which will be the next phase of our business.
0: You and your wife created a vision board a long time ago, you said. Did that ever evolve, or have you maintained the same vision board the whole time?
1: It has evolved somewhat. But the overall priorities for us have remained pretty constant. We still have the same vision board from 15 years ago up on the wall of our office. And it's a bit of a guiding light. We not only look at it and the things that we've done and are currently doing are On that vision board that we have it's a visual one, so it actually has pictures of things that we want to do with our lives. And on top of that, we make it more actionable by each morning. I actually have a form that's printed out an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, and it actually has actions related to that vision. So it's not just, you know, general what we want to have in the future, but it's what can I do today to help make that occur in the future. And that's important to us. And it's how we've been able to get to the point where we now are doing things that we really enjoy and and real estate's our full-time source of income. And we're also doing a lot of fun things on our own because of that income.
0: Do you show that vision board to people whenever they come into the office? I do.
1: And What's actually, on it? I recently gave a presentation at a local investors club and I took a picture of it <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and put it up in the PowerPoint just to show people what an example looks like. And some people said that that part of my presentation was actually the most important to them to really put it in a much broader context of why you're doing the real estate, not just getting bogged down in the details of real estate by itself.
0: What's on it? What are some things?
1: It starts about where we wanna live. So three years ago, we moved to Whidbey Island. That's where we wanted to live and we made it happen. And actually through real estate, because there's not much of an economy here. So we had to create our own economy, so to speak. And we wanted to build an interesting, cool home on the waterfront with some eco building features. And we're two months away from moving into that. And our main source of income is going to be real estate. That's on there. Uh, At that point, we didn't yet have a kid and that was in the center of that. We now have a kid and around family and friends. And then we have things about things that are important to us in terms of working with the community as well as our hobbies.
0: What's something that has not been achieved that was originally on there a long time ago?
1: I would say it's more that some of our hobbies change, so relatively smaller things. For instance, my wife put on there to learn the hammer dulcimer, which is a musical instrument and we had some dancing lessons on there <laughs> so, and those have kind of fallen by the wayside, but i call those pretty minimal kinds of things. And we've replaced those with other interests. So it's, they just got replaced over time, you know, smaller things like that.
0: So the large stuff that you had on there from a business standpoint was achieved, correct? Yes. So yeah. did you well, add in, did you swap it out with new business stuff so that you're constantly striving for more? Yes. Uh, So
1: that's where the more specific actions of what we do each day come into play. Because on a vision board, it's really at the high level of we want our income as well as our wealth generation to come through real estate primarily. And it's at that broad level. It's not necessarily directly actionable, but it's a goal. It's an objective. And then in terms of what we do each day, yes, it's around uh, increasing our income, increasing our portfolio, and growing the business and what we can do around that on both the supply line or the deals coming in as well as the capital side of the equation.
0: And clearly, this is a critical component to what you do because of how you have it incorporated in your daily routine. That's why I asked a couple follow-up questions about it. And last follow-up question, and then we'll move on to some of these deals that you've got, is the printout that is printed every day. Is the only question on it, what can I do today to help make this occur?
1: It has four main goals that we're currently focusing on from that long-range vision. And then below that, it has for each main goal, we have... I would say on average about four actions. And those are actions that are in the perhaps like six month time frame in terms of something to be accomplished. And I have a column on the right hand side that says at the end of the day, did I do that? Yes, or no, or partial. So I grade myself every night, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And we don't work on every goal every day. And what I do at the beginning of the day is I actually say which ones I'm going to do and what I'm going to do specifically for them that day. And then at the end of the day, I grade myself on what I actually did.
0: Is it all paper or do you do electronic?
1: I'm a very electronic guy, so to speak, meaning I have everything on my laptop and my phone except for this. And I do scan them when I'm done just so that I have a record of them. But I've found that just having a physical piece of paper sitting on my desk with a pen beside it and I look down at it and it keeps me focused on what I need to do and I check it off. Yes, I did that. It's easier, it's more tangible, and it's better than trying to find, open some app on my computer and, and look for it in there. It's always just sitting right there, and I just change it out every day.
0: You were a full time real estate broker for three years, and then you went back to another occupation. Why'd you stop? Mostly
1: because I was getting involved primarily to learn the ins and outs on the legal side, the contract side of becoming a broker. I'm actually still a broker, but I don't represent clients. I just have it purely for investing purposes. And the main reason I got out was I was mostly working in residential sales, not so much commercial sales. I, I did occasionally, and I really enjoyed working with the good clients that I had. But every once in a while, the tire kickers that would take six months of my time and result in nothing, it just kind of got a little wearing. I just said, ah, I'd rather work on things that I know I can have really good outcome." It's a bit of a numbers game business, and you got to have that approach. And I like the positive numbers, but the negative numbers just wasn't that interesting to me. So I got out of it, but I kept the license going for investing.
0: What type of full-time jobs did you do in addition to the broker thing we already know about?
1: I was primarily in either team management or program management positions with technology companies. So I worked with some startups, I worked with some large companies that you definitely recognize in their names and a wide range of places, but generally team and program management
0: what skills did you apply in those positions that you're applying in your real estate investing
1: i would say the two biggest ones are one coordinating managing and leading a team of people because that's very important in our business model in terms of the partners that we work with and by partners i mean things like property managers and contractors and attorneys and things like that. So that's one really important element. And then the other important element, I would say, is project management in general. In other words, being very organized and on top of things. And my earlier background has been in project management, and I found that's helped me quite a bit as well in real estate.
0: You got multifamily, single family, office, retail, medical, and land. Is that accurate? Yes. (laughs)
1: Just a few examples of each. Again, we're opportunistic, but uh, yes, I do. And I feel comfortable with each of them. I, I know some people say, you know, get rich in a niche kind of thing, and that's fine. And I certainly understand that. I understand enough about each of the asset classes and what to look for that when a good deal comes along, I have enough buffer in there to be able to Invest in all of those. And all of our properties have been successful. We're choosy. It's one of the reasons we've been doing it for so long. <laughs> it's we're not buying every month kind of thing. We're choosy on the ones we're purchasing.
0: What was the most challenging asset class to learn underwriting for?
1: I would say, well, the most challenging one was actually land, just because in our case, it was more flips. Flipping land, and I'll generally do flips. To be clear, everything else is for buy and hold, and the land was to resell. We're not developers, so we were not buying it to develop it, instead to flip to someone else. And uh, that's a whole different ball game in terms of learning how you can work with the local municipality to determine what can be done with the land, and that may or may all, not always be true depending on who you're talking to and what is the actual value of this land afterwards. So it's not the end. NO- Why the net operating income approach of multifamily or even office and retail, it's a different beast. So that that one was probably the hardest of all of them.
0: How did you learn it?
1: It's a combination of things. Number one was reaching out and talking to people, getting to know people who had already worked in that area, meaning had already done both land purchases, land sales, and then had just done some flipping in general. That was one thing. How'd you Uh, find them? Also, wherever I could, I would uh, certainly read books, listen to podcasts, things like that to get other people's experience. And then some of it, I I frankly learned on the job, so to speak, especially going into a county office and learning what can be done to a particular piece of property. (laughs) There's some that you can learn from others, but you got to stand there in that line and talk to that planner and, and learn some on the fly. And there's a little bit of risk to that. That was the riskiest part of our portfolio by far, just because of all the moving parts on that one.
0: How many times have you invested in raw land? I would say probably five or six, something like that. What were the results, lowest and best? What are the two examples?
1: Yeah, I would say... I had two examples where I just made a little bit of money and in retrospect, I wouldn't have done it just because the amount of time I invested relative to the, the amount of money I made, it, it, the, the hourly rate, so to speak, wasn't very good. And then on the other side, I doubled a couple of them without actually even going through all the entitlements and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a range.
0: For the lowest one where your hourly rate wasn't worth it other than the education that it gave you. If you were presented that same exact opportunity, but in a different disguise in the future, what would you look for that you didn't look for initially on the other one? I would do
1: more due diligence upfront with the local government, whoever that is, if it's a city, if it's a county, whatever it is. And I would do more in advance. In both cases, I did some. Certainly, I didn't just buy it and then figure it out kind of thing. But at the same time, there were some nuances, the folks in charge, so to speak, at the local government just didn't go out of the way to tell me and I had to kind of find out on my own. So there was that risk. And you know, again, they, they turned out okay in the end, but that was the biggest learning there. And I don't do land flips anymore. It's interesting, but uh, that's <laughs> something that's in my past. I'm more buy and hold for cash flow at this time.
0: I'll ask you about some of those buy and hold investments. One last follow-up question on the land. What were some of those nuances that you had to learn kind of the hard way throughout after you got into the process?
1: Yes. For instance, one example, I purchased 72 acres that was near a beach town and it had the potential to be subdivided, but it had this very unusual overlay on top of it that was related to this resort zoning. And the trick was to essentially get rid of that resort zoning so that it could be subdivided. And essentially, to boil down a much longer story, I was told wrong information by the people that I initially talked to before I bought it. So the lesson there was <laughs> not only to talk to them, but to double check and to actually look at the wording of the whatever regulations or, or zoning is involved and not just always take the word for it. Because they just literally just told me wrong information that I went in on.
0: Multifamily, single family, office, retail, and medical which one's your favorite? I would say
1: my favorite is multifamily. That is pretty consistent with a lot of people right now, which is the problem. <laughs> so, In other words, there's a good bit of competition in that area. But at the same time, that's generally my favorite. And the, the reason for that is... If you've done your due diligence, we always start at a really high level. We never start at the property level. We always start at the overall market level. We look at the local economic drivers. We're looking at what's being built in the area, all that kind of stuff, before we even get down to the details. What is that property's NOI or anything like that? And if you get that larger scale aspect covered, meaning the, the local market and, and its drivers, then generally speaking, multifamily can withstand some ups and downs in the economy. And it's generally going to be demand. And even if things go bad, you might have to reduce your rents, but you're not going to have some vacancy, that kind of thing. When you get into office and retail, I really like the fact that you can get into triple net properties, which for those, the any best over listeners that aren't familiar with that, is basically properties that the tenant takes care of everything, essentially. They take care of the property taxes, the insurance, their own maintenance, things like that. So it can be fairly turnkey, hands off, kind of easy. Also, they tend to have very long-term leases. So you you can get five-year leases, even more. I just got a 10-year lease, for instance, on one of my properties, and that's great. But the downside is that sometimes on those properties, when it goes vacant, it can be perhaps, depending upon your market, it might be a year until you get that actually filled again. We've never had one go that long, but we have had one that went six months while it was vacant. And it's just sitting there, you know, and we, mm-hmm. we still have to pay the mortgage and, and pay the expenses. So that's the main risk a lot of times with office and retailers. You've always got to be thinking about who's the next tenant. And it's much more involved than who's the next tenant in a multifamily to think about. You've got to think about, OK, is can this be a restaurant? And if it's a restaurant, what other restaurants are in the area? And might they come there or might they go somewhere else? So it's a whole different way of thinking.
0: That triple net lease, was that a retailer office, that example? that you just said the one that went vacant for six months
1: oh that was actually a medical
0: office medical office all right so month five of six months let's take a time machine back you don't know since we're in month five that you're going to get a lease what are you considering in month five and what are you doing a couple things
1: one of them is I've generally bought with enough flexibility that if I need to reduce rent, I will, but that's obviously not the first step that I'll take. I certainly will increase marketing. I generally, even though I am a, like I said, a broker myself, I almost always work through other brokers and I try to work through the best brokers. So I buy through other brokers. They just treat me as a buyer and I just have to put a little note in the, in the contract that says buyer is a Washington state licensed real estate broker and that's it. And then in cases like this, I would market through a commercial leasing broker who ideally knows his or her stuff and also is actively marketing it. It boils down to making contacts. A lot of times when there is a lack of demand, then it can be one-on-one contacts to local similar companies or whatever it is, you know, office or retail and actually seeing if they'd be interested to move. For instance, in that case, we were listed with a commercial broker, but my wife was actually the one who got the tenant and she literally walked around to local medical offices with a flyer and brought them in and told each individual office or whoever she could talk to about our property. And that's how we got the tenant. We didn't get it from the internet. We didn't get it from the broker. We got it through my wife walking around with a flyer.
0: (laughs) In that case, does the broker still get his or her fee? Yeah, it depends. So officially, yes. In that particular
1: case, we have a really good relationship with that broker. I've also purchased other things with him. And he just said, no problem. You got the business and uh, we'll do other business again in the future. But officially by the contract, generally speaking, most contracts would say that they would be owed a
0: fee. Do you still have multifamily, single family, office, retail and medical and raw land in your current portfolio? Yes. Which one takes up more of your time relative to others?
1: Multifamily. Even though we have property managers for all of our multifamily properties, that's in a really important part of our business model is wherever possible to include property managers and not to self-manage, especially on multifamily. But nonetheless, there are things that we have to make decisions on, and there's water heater breaks and, and floods the next door unit, and, and all that, and we can go and check it out and, and determine the next steps and things like that. And it tends to be more drama. The difference between a medical office tenant, well-established professional environment they just pay their bills and take care of everything versus the drama and the complexities of multi-unit buildings can be significantly different. So, multifamily tends to take most of our
0: time. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? The thing that I've
1: found most important is to create an environment. And what I mean by that is be sure as you are going into your real estate investing career or whatever that is, is to surround yourself with good ideas and feed your mind with good information from books and the people you're surrounding yourself with. And also to make sure that environment fits into your long range vision. So. To me, that's been the, the driving force for us. And, and I think that if you get into the nuts and bolts of real estate that and, and, you, and you miss that broader picture and you don't create a positive environment for yourself, you're missing a big part of it. And you actually may not stick with it unless you put that in place.
0: Where did you get all of the equity for your
1: deals? From a number of different sources. We own... All of ours at this point, or like most people, us in the bank, own all of our properties. So we've just been very creative in using funds moving forward. I've rolled all of our profits forward. So all of our income and our profits, say, from a sale, they don't go to paying for a car or anything like that. They're always rolled forward. And that's actually the reason that I've had a job of sorts for so long has been because I haven't taken on partners yet. And we've just self-funded our portfolio and having independent income, not only made, frankly, getting some loans easier, but our income took care of all our expenses. And then our real estate income just grew. It kind of snowballed over time. I also would do cash out refis. I take loans from my 401k, I even have a solo 401k where I have two properties in that. So it's kind of like a self-directed IRA, but a little bit different. And just always looking for ways to use our funds and roll it forward into the next deal. And that's also why we've kept our properties fairly small. The largest property we've owned has been 40 units. And uh, other than that, like in the multifamily side, they're usually between the 12 to 20 size. And it's just because we roll our profits forward until we have enough down to put into that. And bam, we, we go ahead and buy it and we, and we keep doing it. Keep rolling ahead.
0: Tried and true approach. That's for sure. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure am. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com, and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Want to build wealth through real estate but tired of dealing with tenants, termites, and toilets? Check out the Note Investing Academy. They'll teach you how to invest in the mortgage instead of the property. With all the cash flow or appreciation you want and investing as actively or passively as you'd like. Use the code FAIRLESS at noteinvestingacademy.com for $500 off enrollment. Best ever book you've read.
1: The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and two reasons for that. It really got me thinking about leveraging the expertise and businesses of others to grow my business. And then also really important is the idea of designing the business for my lifestyle instead of getting into designing the business for itself.
0: Best ever deal you've done?
1: I bought two buildings on the same property, two office buildings at auction, and I bought it for 295000 and to answer your question about creative financing is a good example of it, so basically a family member had owned a house outright. I said, why don't you get a loan at 4%, I'll pay you 9% interest-only loan, you make the spread, so they put in 200000 I put in 100000 and then bought it because there was a time after the auction to put in the money. And then I financed it at 75% LTV on purchase price, so I got 75K back, so I only had 25K in at that point. And even though it was 50% occupancy, at that low of a price, it still was generating about 25000 a year in net income after all expenses, including the loans and everything. It was still generating about 25000 So after about one year, I had no capital in it because I had. The 75k back, and then I got 25k in just cash flow. So I basically, at that point, it was kind of like an infinite return kind of thing. And then after a year, it had seasoned. So I did a cash out refi and got another 450,000 out of it. And I put that into another property that was generating about 25,000 a year in cash flow. And then also the cash flow from those two, I then within a year. Rolled into another property that was generating roughly about another twenty five thousand a year. So I rolled all that forward with it being effectively after a year no cash out of pocket, but generating lots of cash flow income. And then after about five years, I sold that first property and did a ten thirty one, sold it for about two and a half times what I paid for it, and then rolled that into a seventeen unit apartment complex. So.
0: That is incredible. It's just a snowball going downhill is what it is. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
1: I'd say the biggest one was actually before 14 years ago when I started really investing. And when I got out of college, I bought a condo for me to live in. And then I soon afterwards bought a house and kept the condo as a rental. And the only books I was reading were ones about, quote, how to be a landlord, which meant not grow your business or or not how to use the expertise of others, but how to do everything yourself and be a jack of all trades. And the first tenant was great. The second tenant sucked, basically. I mean, it was just really a bad situation. And I sold it. And I said, oh, this real estate thing is is terrible. I actually briefly got into uh, stocks and day trading. And it just distracted me. The mistake, the learning was that I didn't even really, at that point out of college, I didn't know any investors or anything. I didn't even really know about property managers. And then after I did some more research and I was getting distracted, I realized, okay, well, there's a way to deal with this problem. And there are people who professionally deal with bad tenants like that. And then after that, I just always wrote a line item in my deals of having a property manager and, and got back on the real estate training again.
0: Best ever way you'd like to give back? I am
1: on the board of directors of a land trust. And we're working to preserve basically the scenic and the natural beauty of the island I live on uh, north of Seattle. It's one thing. And then the other thing, which is fun, is I'm I'm actually uh, in the process of self-funding a public uh, community park that will have nature trails on it. And it'll integrate sculpture in the forest. And uh, I've already owned the property and... Next stages will be to start building the infrastructure for that.
0: How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on and get in touch with you?
1: The best way is to go to our website which is bonvolo.com so it's b o n is in november v o l o.com or you can email me directly at scott s c o t t at bonvolo.com.
0: Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. The vision of where you wanted to go and now where you are at was put in place a long time ago and it's constantly a reminder for you and your wife of what you want to achieve and how specifically you're going to do it because you have a process in place on a daily basis that you fill in and you have accountability for yourself on that day. You said you grade yourself each day on your progress. Really, really not surprising to me that you've accomplished what you've accomplished since you've been so laser-focused on this for over a decade, a decade and a half. And loved hearing about pros and cons of triple net leases. Everything's great when they're filled, when they're not your wife might have to walk around with a flyer to office properties and try to get them to move into your property which did work even though you had a hired a broker just shows the hustle that you two have and then also the scenario where you bought the two office buildings for $295,000 and then that turned into a snowball of many many mounds of cash flow as a result of it so thank you for being on the show hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon Thank you, Joe. Want to build wealth through real estate, but tired of dealing with tenants, termites, and toilets? Check out the Note Investing Academy. They'll teach you how to invest in the mortgage instead of the property. With all the cash flow or appreciation you want, and investing as actively or passively as you'd like. Use the code FAIRLESS at noteinvestingacademy.com for $500 off enrollment.